0: Chapter Twenty Three of The Star Chamber, and Historical Romance, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Star Chamber, and Historical Romance, Volume Two, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter Twenty Three how sir jocelyn was brought to the fleet after his arrest by the sergeant-at-arms sir jocelyn was taken in the first instance to the star-chamber where some of the lords of the council were sitting at the time and examined respecting the libelous language and false scandal he had used in reference to the proceedings of that high and honourable court The young knight did not attempt to deny the truth of the charge brought against him, neither did he express contrition or sue for forgiveness, but though he demanded to be confronted with his accusers the request was refused him, and he was told they would appear in due time. Several interrogatories were then addressed to him, which he answered in a manner calculated in the judgment of his hearers to aggravate the original offence after this he was required to subscribe the minutes of his confession as it was styled and a warrant for his committal to the fleet prison and close confinement within it was made out consigned once more to the custody of the sergeant-at-arms he was placed on board a barge of ill-omened appearance being covered with black cloth like a venetian gondola and kept for offenders against the star-chamber in this he was rowed down the thames and up the fleet to the entrance of the prison the progress of the well-known sable barge up the narrow river having been noted by the passengers along its banks as well as by those crossing fleet bridge some curiosity was felt to ascertain whom it contained, and a crowd collected in front of the prison gate to witness the disembarkation. When the young knight's title and the nature of his offence, which latter did not appear so enormous in their eyes as in those of the lords of the council, became known to the bystanders, much sympathy was expressed for him, and it might have found a manifestation in more than words but for the guard who kept back the throng at this juncture sir jocelyn heard his own name pronounced in familiar tones and looking round for the speaker perceived a person placed in a tub close beside him the individual who occupied this singular and degrading position was the ill-starred dick taverner who, it appeared, had made an attempt to escape from prison on the third day after he had been brought thither, and was punished, according to the custom of the place, by being bound hand and foot, set within a tub, and exposed to public gaze and derision. "'Alas, Sir Jocelyn,' ejaculated the apprentice, "'but for you I should not have been here.' I undertook a thankless office and have been rightly served for my folly we have both found our way to the fleet but i much doubt if either of us will find his way out of it as for me i liked the appearance of the place and the society it seems to furnish so little that i resolved to make a clearance of it at once and accordingly i managed to scramble up yonder lofty wall in the hope of effecting my deliverance without asking for a license to go abroad from the warden but unfortunately in dropping down from so great a height i sprained my ankle and fell again into the hands of the philistines and here i am like the cynic philosopher in his tub sir jocelyn would have addressed a few words of consolation to the poor fellow, but at this moment the wicket was opened, and he was pushed through it by the attendants of the sergeant-at-arms, who were apprehensive of the crowd. The small aperture that had given him admittance to the prison was instantly closed, and all chance of rescue cut off. The prisoner being thus effectually secured, the officials felt more easy, and smiling at each other they proceeded deliberately to the porter's lodge at the entrance of which stood a huge powerfully built ill-favored man evidently chosen for the post of porter from his personal strength and the savageness of his disposition with a growl like that of a mastiff to the black broad muzzle of which animal his own features bore a remarkable resemblance the porter greeted the newcomers and ushered them into an apartment built of stone octagonal in shape with a vaulted roof narrow windows like loopholes and a great stone fireplace its walls which resembled those of an ancient guard-room were appropriately enough garnished with fetters mixed up with which as if to inspire greater terror among the beholders were an executioner's heavy whip with many knotted thongs several knives with strange blades the purpose of which was obvious enough and branding irons as sir jocelyn was brought into the lodge by his guards an elderly man with a bald head and grey beard and mustaches and possessing in spite of his years a most repulsive physiognomy advanced to meet him his doublet and hose were of murray color, and his inflamed visage, bloodshot eyes, fiery nose, and blotchy forehead were in keeping with the hue of his apparel. This was Joachim Tunstall, deputy warden of the fleet. Behind him were some half-dozen jailers, attired in garments of dark-brown frieze, and each having a large bunch of keys at his girdle. All of them were stout, hard-featured men and bore upon their countenances the stamp of their vocation the warrant for sir jocelyn's committal to the fleet was delivered by the sergeant-at-arms to the deputy warden and the latter having duly perused it was conferring with one of the jailers as to where the prisoner should be conducted when a side door was suddenly opened and sir giles Mompesson issuing from it tapped the deputy warden on the shoulder you need not consider where the prisoner is to be lodged master tunstall he said looking fixedly at mountcynsey all the while the dungeon he is to occupy is the darkest the deepest and the dampest in the fleet it is that in which his father died you know it well grimbald he added to one of the burliest of the gaolers, Take him thither at once, and I will go with you to see him safely bestowed. Pass on, sir, he continued, with a smile of fiendish satisfaction, as Mounchensey was led forth by the gaoler. Chapter twenty three.